0: Listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero podcast. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Okay. What's this? That is. It looks like a somebody in some kind of spacesuit or something, but it must not be. What is it? A robot suit, Bob. It's a robot suit. Okay. Is it a person in a robot suit or robot in a robot suit? Uh, it's a person
1: in robots. We're going to have a robot theme for today. Good. Uh, and this
0: is this is the uh, this is from New Hampshire in 2016. You remember that? Not the robot part. I remember New Hampshire. It's a state. Am I right? You don't remember the Rubio robot? <laughs> was that a Chris Christie uh, creation? It was. It was playing on the same theme Christie played on, presumably. Right. Right. The the backstory is. Uh, it, I have a
1: little personal uh, interest in this because my my one appearance in the mainstream media was I was hanging around the uh, MSN, uh, uh, whatever it is, the site the, the where they were filming it. And um, Steve Kornacki took pity yeah. on me and had me on the panel. Mm. And I predicted confidently that those people who were expecting Chris Christie to take out, out Marco Rubio and do Trump's dirty work for him. We're crazy. That never happens. It never happens, Bob. And ha-
0: have you been invited back to MSM since then, Mickey? I
1: have not. Uh, and it With happened. With good reason.
0: With good reason. And
1: so Christy took out Rubio and these Rubio robots, because you know Ru- Rubio sort of started behaving robotically in response to the attacks. Mm-hmm. And Christy said, there you go again. And uh, the Rubio robots showed up as, as the sort of, spot either spontaneous or planned must have been spontaneous response and they were actually pretty nice guys but that was a photo of him getting beaten up by rubio supporters
0: they actually uh, they, be- actually, they put- actually beat up the guy in the they, robot they dude? punched him and he said why are you beating me up and then he ran away uh it was hilarious if anybody uh, doesn't remember that it was like a too good to be true moment where chris christie says to rubio all you ever do is recite talking points and rubio just starts reciting the very talking points he had just recited right before Christie said that. And it, this is commonly taken to be the end of the Rubio candidacy, although it didn't do Christie's candidacy any good.
1: Right. And so uh, what, Christie is trying to do the same thing to Trump and he is making the argument and he's mocking people who don't attack Trump directly. And, you know, the uh, uh, he only he is taking on Trump and it reflects the... the uh the philosophy that's put forward by by some consultants, including, I think, a woman named Sarah Longwell, who's quoted in The New York Times saying the only way to get to destroy Trump is to go through him. And that's just insane. What People does that mean? Wait, what does go through?
0: What does go through him mean?
1: Attack him directly. Take him out. Oh, yeah. And uh, and. Uh, Why is that
0: insane? I thought that was a conventional
1: wisdom that. It is. It's wrong. It's crazy. It's 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 uh you know people are trying to take Trump out directly. You know he was indicted, Bob? You know he's a crook, you know well, he, he Well, you, he, don't he don't say, he you don't focus on I those mean, things if you're a Republican.
0: You don't focus on those things told- if you're a Republican. You say you didn't get your wall built. There are things you can you can attack him on if you're a Republican. Okay, but that's not what that's not, I don't think that's what Christie's talking about.
1: Anyway, the the um you know my, my 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 friend John Ellis is the opposite point of view where he thinks in order to beat Trump, you have to honor him first, and uh, and then you can
0: distinguish come, yourself You from come him, not to bury him, but, but to praise him.
1: Well, because the, the, the reality of the campaign that people are worried about is that there's this vast mass of Trump voters who only come out for Trump. They're in rural areas, mm-hmm. and they're pretty big. They're the biggest bunch of unvoting voters that are out there, and uh, you don't get them by attacking Trump. The only hope with them is 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 not to go through Trump, but to you know stand on the shoulders of Trump or do something, and and that's why. Uh, How do you stand on the
0: shoulders this, of Trump?
1: Maybe that's not right, but uh, I'm I'm trying to think of what a what a good analogy would be. Um. And uh, so that's why this this ad, this allegedly and probably really homophobic ad that somebody made for. To produce to promote DeSantis that was retweeted yeah. by the independent DeSantis super PAC never back down uh, was bad because it it went right at Trump saying so you are promoting you know trans ideology and get, you know you're you're paving the way for LGBTQ and uh, attacking Trump directly like that is probably not the way to get this vast mass of rural Trump voters. Uh, and so it was, uh, Ellis thinks it was just insane. Quite apart from the homophobia aspect of it, it was insane to go after Trump directly.
0: I haven't seen the the video, but the, the New York Times huh. in, in, in the, uh, you laugh. That, is that how out of it I am, you mean? The the video's everywhere? Yeah, it's a short video and it feels features a lot of appealing homoerotic imagery like bodybuilders, oh. naked shirtless men. Oh, well then sign me up. That sounds great. but You know what the, I'm saying, the uh, but I noticed in the New York Times they have a front page story on the actual physical. And that's in, physical in the pro paper. DeSantis. Monster. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh, so the Times cites this as one of DeSantis. The headline is DeSantis, misstep by misstep, struggles to cut Trump's lead, and they cite it. But 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 I got the impression that they were. I, I thought this was kind of uh, typical New York Times, you know, uh, echo chamber them thinking that uh, a, a homophobic ad would hurt DeSantis in a Republican primary seems to me it could well help him in a republican primary but but you're saying there's a different problem with it right yeah that's i i'm
1: I'm, I'm saying there's a different problem and also um i uh, um, i I just think i I don't know i think I think DeSantis, it's pretty clear what's happened to this it's pretty clear what's happened to DeSantis, which is he hasn't found his footing, but that's not why he's behind. He's the same, getting the same 20% he always got. Uh the problem is Trump was indicted and Trump soared in the polls. And that's the way the race is. It never
0: hasn't changed so, since then. So basically uh, but, nothing can work against Trump. It isn't that going through him is the wrong strategy. There's no right strategy. Because you never no, fleshed right, out the that only standing hope, on his shoulders metaphor, Mickey. I don't know what that means.
1: The only, the only hope is uh to you know to to. Praise his policies and oh, right. uh, at Praise some him. Point, point out that he didn't build the wall and maybe it's time for the relief pitcher yeah, to no, come you in. You say he was the right guy the for that
0: time because he got this stuff on the agenda, but obviously he doesn't finish his swing, as they say in golf. Uh, you know, he doesn't follow through. He's not a guy to get things done. He set the agenda. He set the table and I'm here to eat. That's what you say.
1: Uh DeSantis so can do both the golf metaphors and the baseball metaphors, so he can do either one.
0: You're right. He's a dual threat. Uh, there you go. He's. Uh, I, I already. I already feel his momentum building now that we've helped him out. I so part of the problem with Desantis is there were
1: a couple of little missteps, like that Ukraine statement, which I didn't realize was written, which makes it sort of worse. Wait, the one about a
0: border dispute, a territorial yes, dispute. Yeah, there's a
1: territorial dispute, uh, and uh, so uh, and you know, so there are a couple of small missteps, but basically the press is out to get it. OK, and it would be good if he showed some nuance and got the press on his side. And I think the only way to do that is give interview, give a, either a big 60 minutes interview or interviews with a lot of reporters where he, you know, comes across as a reasonable person that doesn't back off his positions, but defends his positions, which are completely defensible. I mean, he, he's, not, you know, he could say, I'm not anti-gay. I'm against teaching sexuality. To third graders, okay? Mm-hmm. He can say that, okay? Perfectly reasonable thing. And he can come, he can do what Newsom did with his Hannity interview, which is everybody takes a second look at the guy and says, he's not insane. Why are we trashing him? Uh, and I think that would be a good move for him. Uh, he can see he's certainly up to it. Uh, and this idea that you're going to run to the right of Trump by bashing Trump seems a dead end.
0: No, I agree. You, uh, so, you, you you have to pause to praise him, uh, and and say he's just not the guy for the job. It's like what a Democratic challenger should say to Biden, if there were one. Um, you know, he he hey he he he's the Trump he's the Trump stopper. He, you know, he he saved our our country from descending into chaos, and righted the ship. But he's older than shit. And I'm not. You could even say you could even say that Trump saved America. How about that?
1: I would even defend that. He, you can say that about hurt.
0: Biden. They should both the cha- both challengers and both, both parties but, should be saying, "This guy saved America. Thank you. Uh, right. It's time to head off stage." They right. should. And, he, yes. and,
1: you, and you could you could make both cases. It's just I don't think Desantis should make the Biden case, and I don't think. I don't think. Uh, no, you're you're
0: DeSantis correct. That would be bad Trump messaging. Um, <laughs> that, for but, for Desantis to say, "I think Joe Biden saved America," I don't think that's a way to eat into Trump Trump's lead. No, I agree. Part of
1: the problem is they all have these super PACs and DeSantis, the super PAC is especially powerful and well-funded. And so that, and DeSantis by law cannot control the super PAC. And so somebody retweets this tweet and DeSantis somehow is responsible for it. Which tweet? Uh, the the super PAC the, tweet? The, the gay, mm. the, the uh, homophobic anti-gay
0: ad. So the, the, the super homoerotic, Pac did it homoerotic, him? homophobic, ad. what is, is super PAC prepared the ad for him? Is that what happened? No, it's some, some random
1: DeSantis supporter prepared the ad. And then the DeSantis super PAC said, Hey, this uh, is sort of cool. Let's they retweeted
0: it. I see. And, you know,
1: yeah. with the idea, the idea, they're all staffed by these young people who like these radical memes and they like being entertained by the memes. And, uh, yeah. uh, and I know the type, yeah. they, 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 they sort of, they're appealing to their own ilk and they don't. Think about what the larger ramifications. So they
0: chose does. to post it, or they just casually retweeted it. They actually they chose reposted, to tweet it, repost it. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure. Answers, about that. That, that's mixed terminology. Speaking of which, yeah. are you on Threads yet? Are you, on, are you on Threads, Mickey? I'm you on ever, Threads. I, I have a conclusion about Threads. Should we save it for after? Sure. Is there more politics to talk about? Yeah, there's plenty more politics to talk about. Oh, we'll save Threads. Okay. Um, so, so before we get to threads, what else is there to say about domestic politics? There's also, well, there's
1: Ukraine all this talk, about, there's all this talk about, uh, 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 others coming into the race. Kemp is the flavor of the week. Kemp, the governor of Georgia, he's beat. Uh-huh. he's defeated Trump before in his local Georgia races, uh, where, you know, Trump was against him for getting reelected. He got reelected. Trump was for Purdue as Senator. He was for. Uh, the candidate who eventually won, you know, in the primary, now,
0: did Kemp not participate? He, he refused to participate in the election denial, right? Right. Okay. And, and he, he, he's um.
1: Uh, he's I could hurt him in the primary,
0: but I like it.
1: He's got anyway. But but I don't understand the, I don't understand the theory of this of, of this late entry. The idea is that uh, somehow the race has got to go along and. Kemp is suddenly going to enter, and he's going to get forty-three percent of the vote instantaneously. I mean, everybody's going to say, "Oh, you are our savior." I just don't see that happening. You know, you get you, you get the forty-three percent by entering the race and building it up over time, and not jumping in at the last minute. Uh, they're sort of um, it, it's sort of it, it's it, the analogy would be nineteen sixty-eight. You know, Bobby Kennedy jumping into the Democratic primary. But that's because there was a huge well of antipathy towards Lyndon Johnson among Democratic primary voters. There is no huge well of antipathy
0: toward Donald Trump among Republican. No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think any sane person is expecting that kind of surge from any rivals. It's going to be four yards in a cloud of dust, folks. You better get started now. Um, um, on the Democratic side, I mean, I'm, you know, uh, please. I mean, it turns out, you know, when he said that uh, Putin's losing the war in Iraq. I think it turns out that's the second time in twenty four hours or thirty six hours that he had said exactly that. He also I think to say it turns out it was brilliant. Putin is losing war in Iraq, <laughs> not that we know of. But the uh, and then also this isn't so bad. I guess it's more of an indictment, actually, of Josh Rogan of the Washington Post. But Josh Rogan wrote this piece where he spoke to this uh, some Syrians who went to a fundraiser. And 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 they say, or one of them says, that they said to Joe Biden, uh, Assad must go. And Biden said, "I agree." I, I'm sorry, that's not enough to hang a, a piece in the Washington Post on. That's just that's just Josh Rogan's neocon regime regime changeism getting the better of him. Um, that that that's I mean, you, he, he, you know, that that's just not solid enough. But Biden yeah, probably sure. didn't say not- it, and he shouldn't. What's that?
1: Josh Rogan is making sure it's not going to happen by putting that out there. He'll, he'll immediately be shot down, and forces will be mobilized. I assure to, you uh, that
0: Josh Rogan's goal is like, not to stop regime change in Syria. Right. i would say he was uh, he was a uh, foolish
1: if that is his goal to do it. He was counterproductive. From he his may own have just
0: needed a story, but uh, I, I, uh, you know, he's hardcore. He's a hardcore neocon. Uh, who, for some reason, has been given this position at the post? Well, you, it's, it's a weird. Me. It's a weird. Like, I don't think he's part of the actual opinion section, but it's kind of a column. He's kind of. It, it, it's reported, and it. it uh, but it's uh, there's a lot of attitude, and he is. I mean, hardcore neocon. Increasingly, so. journalism is becoming that. It is. Uh, you're right. Uh-huh. Just a lot more attitude. Obviously, that's what gets you the clicks. And um, people have a vein. People have a the
1: vein. They mine and they mine the vein, and they don't sort of produce stories that they that are against their cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that, that doesn't really bother me. But you should know where they're coming from. Yeah, uh, now that you subtly shifted the, the the topic to foreign policy, Bob, I was. Um, what about this guy Prigozhin? He's turned up again. He's not dead. Not a dead man walking. Turned up in Saint
0: Petersburg.
1: There were a couple of interesting stories about how. Um, uh, the FSB, which is some, some Russian agency that's supposed to, it's,
0: it, I think it's a successor to the KGB.
1: Yeah. It's supposed to monitor these things. They're supposed to know what's up. They didn't warn people about Prokofiev's mutiny. Is that because they thought sub, sub, they supported it? Uh, a lot of the agencies didn't stop him on his march to Moscow. They didn't mobilize. If you were Putin, you sort of worry. Why didn't they mobilize? or half
0: the people? Well, wait, do him? we know that they were told to mobilize and didn't, or something? Or I mean, what? what no, do we know more now? I mean, we we know that there was uh, there was not a decision to intervene, except uh, to to send some helicopters over. And once they got shot down, I think somebody decided, let's see if we can end this more gracefully. Um, but uh, you know, than to have an all-out war with five thousand well-armed guys. But um, do we know? Uh, because there was that was the initial know. take was the military stood on the sidelines. Well, I mean, we don't know that Putin gave anybody an order they didn't follow. But the intelligence thing is, it's the dog that yeah, didn't bark. They didn't know. It's a pretty weird failure because supposedly our intelligence knew about it. You know, you don't. The it, well, argument this is was not a know spontaneous. They thing. not to do anything about it. Now, an interesting, an interesting little uh, twist is, you know, I, I taped a podcast with these Russians with attitude guys. And I and then know. I'm and then I'm going to be on theirs. It, it it um it it hasn't uh it, it'll let's see it'll be public on Tuesday and it'll it'll uh pay paid non-zero subscribers will get it. I guess tomorrow. But, but oh, I don't know how I did. I'm not sure. I maybe I I I kind of am, am uh am not sure. I mean they they were they were fine. Uh, I think maybe I could have uh. I don't know, long story. We can talk about it in the pit room, but a couple of interesting things. One of which I'd actually heard one of them say on his podcast, but he thinks Purgosian was um waiting, anticipating that the counteroffensive would show early signs of success, that the Russian lines would collapse. And then he was going to make his move and say, I'm your savior. I'm the only guy who's gotten any success in Ukraine and that he was forced to move early, I guess, because he thought uh, his movements uh, had been detected. It's hard to believe they weren't detected by anybody because this was not a spontaneous thing. I mean, it was a big logistical challenge to get all these uh, men in there and then have them go to Moscow. And I think that's why the US intelligence spotted them. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's weird if they did not know. And yet, it, they they acted as if they didn't see it coming. It's true. It's weird. Why isn't he dead? Why is he
1: not in Belarus, but back at Russia and giving oh, interviews to the press?
0: I think it's Belarus. There was a car call, call, oh. call called a Belarus. Uh, okay, sorry. But that's a different thing. The, um, uh, well, I mean, the deal they cut. You know, Putin wanted to avoid the bloodshed and whatever else and said, OK, we won't, you know, he didn't want to have a big war with 5000 guys. And, 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 he, and also, I mean, again, these guys were war heroes. OK, uh, you know, uh, there are all kinds of downsides to having a big, bloody confrontation with him. And at the time, okay. it seemed to be saying he seemed to be saying, we'll exile you instead. And you'll get to keep these troops can follow you into Belarus. And who knows? We don't know what the deal was. And and we also, in terms of why uh, Prigozhin is reportedly back in St. Petersburg, we don't know if he's just getting to clean out his, you know, his locker, you know, or, uh, and maybe take a hundred million or so in, in cash with him or, uh, and then and then scurry back to Belarus. We don't know, but we also don't know how much leverage he has with Putin. You know, it's like, it could range from, having dirt on Putin, I doubt it's the kind of blackmail thing, to him having just kinds of trouble he could create within the government that Putin knows about. And it it could also have to do with the extent of his control of the far-flung Wagner apparatus. There have been reports of Putin's trying to seize control of it, but we don't know what the corporate structure of it is. It, it may be, you know, and, and if he has solid control of this huge, uh, you know, global network that Putin wants to continue to exert influence over, that's a lot of leverage. I I have no idea uh, what the deal is. We've never, we never heard what the, you know, the full fleshed out deal to begin with. What is, what what does
1: Russians with attitude say about it? uh,
0: They don't think Prigozhin was just unstable. Um, Their line is, is, uh, you know, is that he was rushed into doing his thing. I don't think they think it was a true coup attempt. Um, but we didn't spend that much time on it. And and uh um but the supposedly
1: there's I don't know if there's video, but there are reports of Ragoshin entering the uh you know the uh command center and talking with some subordinate generals and saying we want to get rid of this General Gerasimov and Shoigo, however, however you pronounce the yeah. the other guy. And they all said you're telling me, you
0: know, let's see. Oh, in the early video? There, 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 There's dissension in the ranks. There's not. You, you mean right. the video during the mutiny? Yeah. 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 The one guy said, you can have them. And that guy was like a, that guy was like a deputy defenseman. Well, oh, wait, there were two guys. They were both high level. One of them was one of five deputies in maybe the defense ministry. The other was of comparable rank in the GRU. That's the foreign intelligence agency. They're like you know, general officer level guys. And Purgosian had, he knew him, but but he said, to, you're right. He said to one of them, I want to get rid of the uh, I want the defense minister. That's the other thing that's come out lately is that supposedly Purgosian had a, had plans to actually kidnap these two guys, the defense minister and the the chi, kind of chief of staff. But anyway, he said, I want Shoigu and I want Grasimov. And the one guy said, you can have them. Uh, so I don't know. You, you don't, I'm starting to get the feeling this is different from the American military the way this, the way this whole thing works. But um, it's
1: weird if Putin is, if Putin is presiding over a loosey goosey structure where you can diss yeah. your commanding officers. No, and I've uh, got to,
0: I've got to think it's a bad look for Putin domestically. If it looks like, uh, you know, he's, he hasn't really, uh, Sent Prigozhin to the you know the the, right. the woodshed for whipping and and is going to keep him there. I, I, it's but who knows what kind of leverage? What happened Pregosian to General and? Armageddon? General Armageddon. Oh well, that's the other thing. He hasn't been seen. Uh, you're talking about a uh, Surovikin, right? Right. He's, you know, when the U.S. intelligence people said, you know, when we heard these leaks right after the mutiny that he was involved, nobody knew whether. That was just U.S. intelligence trying to plant doubt in Putin's mind. Uh, again, he did come but, out early on video and oppose the mutiny and urge uh, Prigozhin to stop. But I don't think he's been seen in public since, and and uh, that's weird. Uh, he is, you know, the, the you you'd get a twofer out of planting doubt in Putin's mind. Uh, I mean, if if your goal were to freak Putin out, that would be one of them. The other thing is that this guy's apparently more competent than the uh, than the two guys that Prigozhin right. was after. Right. And this guy had been something of a Prigozhin ally, but again, he came out against the mutiny early. So I don't know. Look, stay tuned. It doesn't seem to have affected the battlefield in any obvious way, except, well, see, Wagner had already kind of withdrawn from Bakhmut. And uh, so maybe that's when that damage was done. But, uh, look, you know, one place, you know, Ukraine has not been making much Progress still on the the main what we've thought of as the main front of the counteroffensive in the south. They have been, for whatever re- reason, devoting real resources to Bakhmut and making some progress but, there on the flanks, uh, perhaps with the goal of actually retaking it. Um, What's not what I'm they totally call progress? In some
1: of, what they call progress in some of the reports seems to be well, the Russians are on offense, attacking us, but we're doing a lot of damage and taking out a lot of tanks and supplies. So we're winning because we're, we're eroding their capabilities, but they're attacking us. It's not that we're attacking them.
0: Yeah. No, the, the uh, the offensive is not going well. I mean, uh, and y- y- who knows they could stage a miraculous, you know, they could say it wouldn't be miraculous, I guess they could stage a comeback, but, and there has been progress in the South. Like I told you a couple of weeks ago, They'd taken this string of villages early, but oddly, they had done that before they cleared the 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 high ground, the flanks surrounding them, and so they were kind of in trouble. Well, they've cleared those flanks now, so that's now a broader front, but it's not much deeper. It, they're still five miles from the main uh, defense entrenchments along that particular axis, which is where they were a couple of weeks ago, and um, so I now. How bad this is depends on how much human and material resources they're consuming in the process of not making much progress. That's an important question, and I don't know the answer. You certainly get the sense that they're not getting their their people and and machinery chewed up the way they were in that first week. Uh, but you know, it's uh, and there are a lot of uh, variables that could uh, work to their advantage, uh, but uh, ultimately. Um, you know, they are going to get some new weapons and stuff, but I, I I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I want to know what do you think? Go ahead. I I think you're starting to see if you, if you, if you, if you really want to try to see it and squint a way that you, we could be working seriously toward a ceasefire within a few months. And in fact, I I think we saw some signs of that, um, this week. Uh, I mean, for starters, What's that? Well, first of all, um, you know, I, I asked the Russians with attitude, guys. You know, do you think Putin would be up for a ceasefire? He just more or less settled for what he's got. And the, and it's interesting that the first thing the guy said uh, was, well, "Wait a second, you're assuming Zelensky would be." And of course, when we say, you know, shouldn't Zelensky settle for a deal? Everybody says, "Well, you think Putin would?" Well, yeah, yeah. I, I I think uh, Putin would. I mentioned a, an American retired general who said that last week. These guys said it, and minute uh they, they, they said yes, they think uh, Putin is up for it. um Lukashenko, the head of Belarus, said he thinks that uh, Putin is ready for it. but i I think the more uh, I, I, I'm not I don't know that he is, but it's certainly uh plausible. Uh, and you would think that any insecurity he feels on the domestic front would make him only more willing to settle for some um stability on the front. but there were a couple of other things this week. Um, first of all, uh a story yesterday today on NBC that there have been there has been track two diplomacy uh, going on since April. Track two means they're not really officials of the government. In this case, it was Richard Haas, just until very recently head of the Council on Foreign Relations. Pope of the blob. The Pope of the Blob, as Andrew Sullivan memorably called him. And 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 Charlie Cupchin. The two of them, about the time the Track Two thing started, wrote a piece in Foreign Affairs, uh, co-authored, which of course is published by the Council on Foreign Relations, kind of saying it's time to think about uh, peace by the end of the year. So that's pretty high-level Track Two, and, and supposedly it was like Track Two and a half in the sense that they weren't just talking to other, uh, you know, civilians, other people out of government. They actually talked to Lavrov, the foreign minister. That's the report, at least. Um, the other thing is there was a story in the Post uh, reporting, and this, uh, that uh, Bill Burns, head of the CIA, uh, you know, gone to see Zelensky, and Zelensky, let me read for it. It says, uh, in private, uh, well, publicly, U- Ukrainian officials are complaining that everyone's complaining about the counteroffensive's lack of progress. But in private, military planners in Kyiv have relayed to Burns and others bullish confidence in their aim to retake substantial territory by the fall, move artillery and missile systems near the boundary line of Russian-controlled Crimea, push further into eastern Ukraine, and then open negotiations with Moscow for the first time since peace talks broke down in March of late last year. So so apparently that is their professed plan is to get to the brink of Crimea and then think they got you know Putin where they want him and maybe he'll surrender uh, some territory that he's currently in possession in. Who knows? But I think the other interesting thing about this is that, assuming it was a tactical leak from the administration, it was attributed to administration officials. I think it may have also, from their point of view, I don't think they're as optimistic as Ukraine is sounding here. And from their point of view, it, it may have been a way of of getting on the record, like, okay, this is what Ukraine says they can do, and if they haven't done that in in a few months. You know, look, it's going to be it's going to be time to talk peace. So in this scenario, either way, it's time to talk peace. Right. I mean, if Ukraine gets to where they say they are, by their account, they'll be ready. Uh, if they don't. Now, it may be at that point politically harder for Putin. I don't know. I mean, that's starting to become such a black box. So full of contingency that I, I, it's I don't be know
1: easier for him if Ukraine if Ukraine. Doesn't get to where they want to go. It's easier. Yeah, they don't exactly.
0: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It could be harder for him if Ukraine does succeed. How would Putin give up something he already has unless Ukraine
1: sees the big bargaining Hmm. chip?
0: No, I think that's unrealistic. I I think Ukraine would really. um, He would have to feel that Crimea was that they had it in their capacity to somehow wreak havoc in Crimea. Maybe with these long-range, you know, we're going to give them apparently these uh, these missiles with 190 mile range. They've already got the the British plane launched version of something that goes almost that far. But but I don't personally. It doesn't. It doesn't seem that plausible to me that he that he actually vacates a lot of land. He's got. Remember, he's well short. You know, he doesn't have control of a single of the four provinces that he is supposedly annexed.
1: Either way, by the end of. By the end of the year, or the by the fall, the end of the counteroffensive, they might be uh, ready to negotiate something that basically is a ceasefire, and everybody gets to keep what they already have. Uh, yeah. Doesn't that drives the Ann Apple bombs of the world insane? Right.
0: Wait. So what does again?
1: The if if they have a if they have a, a ceasefire in place and have a negotiation where basically they each keep what they got. Uh, you, you know, Ukraine remains her- independent, and 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 Putin gets his land bridge and parts of uh, the the Russian speaking areas, and uh, and they call it a day. Um, that, I, does- that seems like a good outcome to me. But th- there is a certain element of the American foreign policy establishment that does not include Richard Haas, apparently, who it'll drive crazy, right? Yeah.
0: Certainly her, uh, but I think you know um and and presumably uh you know the Michael McFalls and Timothy Snyders of the world, but you know, if people take just a sober assessment of the situation, if this offensive kind of fails, it's like uh, well, okay, we could pour a ton of more weapons that create more carnage, but it just let's let's. Let's be serious here. You know, you are, I mean, Ukrainians are, uh, you know, they're dying, they're losing legs. And, you know, I heard somebody, somebody said something this week I hadn't really thought of. It's like millions of Ukrainians left Ukraine when the war began. Many of them women uh, took their children, their husbands stayed. And basically the longer this goes on, the fewer of them are coming back. That's just the way it works you get settled in a place, you have a good job. Uh, and maybe if your husband's still alive, he comes and joins you. Or maybe, uh, you know, you have bad news for him. Uh, and you found, uh, you know, you found another man that, that happens. And, uh, grimly and sadly, it's probably more likely to happen if your husband just lost two legs and there's a lot of that going on and, and it's easy for the Ann Applebaums and Timothy Snyder and Michael Mcfalls of the world to act as if what their great concern is with the Ukrainian people but uh, I don't really think it is I think basically they have the reasons for for hating Putin and some of them are probably good reasons but uh it just kind of makes well, me a little sick that that we're treating the Ukrainian people uh as well, you know like, currency
1: but, but, but you know if there is this concern uh, that there's this big diaspora and people are worried about, well, these people come back. Presumably that'll be reflected by the Ukrainians. So they will say, we're sick of this war, right? It won't be up to the McFalls.
0: Well, first of all,
1: you know, If the Ukrainians say we want to pursue a peace deal, is Michael McFall going to say, no, you shouldn't? mm -hmm. He probably will, but uh, he'll probably fall in line pretty quickly.
0: Well, first of all, you know it's a very constrained uh environment in ukraine right now expression wise okay i mean uh you know zelensky they shut down the russian speaking media a long time ago basically um they 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 took the 10 tv channels and reduced them to one which puts out the the state the state narrative and i'm not saying this is that weird it's 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 different from the way we handled vietnam but on the other hand that was not a war on our soil so i'm not saying it's surprising that you would react in extreme fashion but i'm saying first of all ukraine also uh unlike what we did in vietnam ukraine has refused to uh, release uh casualty figures on any kind of regular basis um and uh of course, in Vietnam, the, the the enemy casualties were inflated, but but the but the the the, the American casualties were were accurate, more or less. Um, so they're not. First of all, they're not getting uh, the story. Secondly, I don't think I don't know how free they feel to speak out. But I think it's a it's a somewhat. I mean, first of all, wartime psychology creates a very constrained environment in that regard. Naturally, if there's no government clampdown, and so. I wouldn't expect, you know, to see big demonstrations. I did see a poll where uh, they said, um, it was like, how many Ukrainians, it was uh, of Ukrainians, how many, uh, you know, do you have a, what was it, a close friend or relative who's died in the war? 63% said yes. And among those 63%, the average number of deaths were was three. So they're feeling it. Zelensky doesn't strike me as a guy who's in an incredible cocoon. You think he is in a bubble? No, I don't think he's in a bubble. I, I don't think we understand all the forces acting on him either, though. I mean, right. there there are, uh, we just don't know. I I mean, um, you know, there are clearly a lot of influential people in Ukraine who want to keep this thing going. And I, I will say also the public opinion polls, uh, you know, if you... I would discount them for the reasons I said, but they. I, last time I checked, they seemed to show public support. But um, you know, uh, I think you know we have the leverage if we want to use it to steer them toward, uh, you know, ceasefire. It would have the regrettable, uh, regrettable consequence of uh, letting Russia keep some territory that they acquired by force illegally. Uh, but I don't see a realistic. Alternative, I mean, anything can happen. A wild card can show up, and suddenly, the Russian forces collapse. But um, we seem to be a long way from that. And and Ukraine, you know, Russia's geared up its wartime economy. I think they're doing a better job of producing like artillery shells and stuff than our side is. Um, and as I've said before, they got a lot more people. If this goes on for a long time, than Ukraine does. Um, I think we've let Ukraine. And next our entire
1: podcast um, sorry i got uh, do we have time? Uh, i no, got time we away. have time
0: for threads
1: do we have time i i'm glad because i don't i think we actually have a dearth of subjects um how much more time do we have before we have to go to the parrot room
0: let me check let me check on my, our uh, parrot bar. well according to this 6 minutes but that's a little elastic okay. what what do um, you want to talk about
1: I don't know. There, there's a bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, a bunch of legal stuff, which takes a while. Um, uh, we can talk at least about the affirmative action thing. Uh, the, the, it's it's it is truly amazing, and Coulter has pointed this out. But it, how the liberal press, as one, has decided not to make a big deal about the affirmative action ruling. It's like totally been deep sixed. And if you go to MSNBC, they're not talking about it anymore. They shifted totally into, uh, let's talk about legacies. Let's get rid of legacies. And, you know, that's our response. It's not, this is, an, this is a horrible setback for black Americans uh, and it insults all blacks and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it has to be overturned. They haven't said that. They're willing to let the colleges figure out how to game it and work their way through the loopholes and not go public about it. Uh, going public about it doesn't help them there, and to focus on the on the, the on the responses that they have chosen, which is let's attack legacies as a vestige of white privilege. And my line on that is, you know, why do you want to? You know, doesn't I doesn't wouldn't bother me if legacies got uh, got eliminated, but why do you want to perfect meritocracy? That's the wrong direction to go in. Uh, but you know my line on that, so uh, right. you don't want to go into that. But it is impressive the press discipline in not making a it fuss of this. Obviously, they've seen the polls. They've shown that affirmative they they know that affirmative action is unpopular. They know that a bunch of civil rights activists, you know, yelling and screaming and complaining doesn't play well with the voters. This is a year and a half
0: before the election. It's very disciplined. So you mean you would have expected our liberal media to uh, to cover this? Critically for there to be a lot of negative coverage and, they ruling they were, like, and and they basically rolled over because you think they know which way the wind is blowing.
1: Yeah, they they didn't do what they do with dogs. We just have a huge bluffy of outrage, uh, you know, where outraged people are interviewed all week and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because uh, because they, they know that's not going to play with the voters and that's what they care about. Uh, very smart of them. The, this creepy thing is is the. Um, one of the people in the New York Times, the head of Mount Holyoke, I believe, suggested that the, one, of the, one of the ways they get through the loophole would be to ask on a question on the application, we are committed to diversity. What uh, Relate to us your experience with diversity and why you want to join our diversity community. Uh, and it comes perilously close to being a loyalty oath or a litmus test. And I don't know what I think about this. I'm of two minds. Seems to be if Mount Holyoke wants to run a community, a college committed to diversity, they should be able to run a college commi- committed to diversity. The same way, you know, Ron DeSantis could run a college, you know, committed to not talking about, uh, you know, uh, homosexuality and transgender ideology, you know, if that's what he wants to do. People should be free to form like-minded communities. On the other he, hand,
0: he hasn't said he wants to do that, right? But you're saying if he wanted, no, to he has taken over this one college. Oh, that's right. He has. He has a whole college. Chris. Chris Ruffo but college. Rufo. They can talk about homosexuality there, can't they? I know.
1: I know. I'm. I'm exaggerating, but um, they're free uh, to denounce it. I think. Whatever. Whatever Chris Ruffo wants, they can do. Uh, so um, and I support him, but uh, it's it. it, it, it you know, I I go both ways. It is it's also a creepy loyalty test.
0: So what is the at, at Mount Holyoke? This is something people would actually sign or or uh It was you
1: know in your college education,
0: tell in, us in, how in, you
1: are gonna to contribute to our goal of diversity.
0: Oh, I see. What are your well you could always say, you could please, always say I'm I'm be, you could always say, I'm gonna be one of the students who's against diversity. And then you'll also right, have students who are for diversity, and then you'll have a diverse you know, diverse attitudes toward diversity, right?
1: Right, but but the 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 <laughs> assumption is that those people who write that on their application will not get into Mount Holyoke.
0: There's a chance of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, that's that's that that's the problem, and I'll, you know, it's a, it's an attack on ideological diversity, as as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I I I I tend to think the way out of this dilemma is to let. A thousand flowers bloom and yet universe let universities be what they want be what they want to be, let let in who they want to let in, as long as they don't discriminate by race. And uh and let the chips fall. Mm-hmm. And have that have businesses realize that if you go to Mount Holyoke, maybe we shouldn't hire somebody from Mount Holyoke because they're gonna be a you know, a diversity zombie. Uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't hire somebody from Princeton because they have too many people with orange hair. Uh, you know, uh, so uh but uh most people
0: think otherwise on the right certainly yeah um, yeah i guess it's yeah you know, i mean as we said last week there could be a lot of workarounds that, that that colleges can use so that the ruling will have less impact than you might otherwise think um, so uh should we say anything about threads we could talk about it in the pair well, room we could uh, Oh, we talking I about think, threads. Here's my line on threads: is I think it is designed to exclude old people. Okay, is it only uh, available because on the phone? that, the yeah, way I got that, it? that I, that's where I was getting. It's not. They said uh, so. There's a phone app. Um, I downloaded it. Uh, was uh, disappointed to see that my Twitter username is already taken. Someone else is calling themselves Robert Writer, and I will not rest until the culprit is tracked down and brought to justice. But that aside, um, yeah, there's a smartphone app, but but they say they have no plans to create a Mac, you know, an app, an app for the Mac computer or Windows computers. And I can't. Be, I mean, there is a website that's called Thread.net. Maybe there's something wrong with me, but I can't get it to do anything. I mean there's this pattern that I'm thinking like, wait, am I supposed to take a picture of that with my smartphone? Cause it looks a little bit like, you know, those things, those digital yeah. pattern things that you take pictures of. Um, but what would be the point of that? I've already got the app on my phone and um, I, I, I can't, I don't get it, but but that's the deal. Is people too old to get it? They don't want people too old to get it. And you know, people our age, I think, are more likely to prefer typing on an actual keyboard if they're going to do a sentence of any length, whereas, you know, younger people have developed a magical ability to uh, type very fast on smartphones. And for them, it's just like a normal thing.
1: So it bizarre.
0: I, what's that? It, it seems bizarre to me. It's I mean, it's a total pain, that, like it's a total pain to, to type on a smartphone, no matter how good you are, it seems to me. But um, so that's my theory about threads. Also, it seems kind of not ready for prime time uh, in the, uh, because for example, you can't yet curate your, like you can't choose, you have less, uh, fewer options than you do on Twitter. You can't choose to just see what your followers post. It has to, the only feed, as I understand it, is your the people you're following plus a bunch of shit that Mark Zuckerberg wants you to see. And they're just mingled into one feed Uh, You know, kind of like the for you feed on Twitter, but there's no alternative. Whereas there is on Twitter. All that said, it seems like a lot of people are checking it out. I mean, in my brief time there, I I saw a lot of people. But um, I I, you know I have a simple
1: simple response to it. It's too fucking nice. Like everything, like everything Mark Zuckerberg does. There are too many people saying nice things, posting photos of sunsets. You know, here's a nice photo of a sunset. Somebody's posted. you don't, you don't get a good dialogue uh, if everybody's nice to everybody. Well, uh, and Facebook is way too nice. If, if, you know, if somebody, if you criticize somebody on Facebook, they'll just take your, take your post down. I don't think people have the authority to do that on, on, on this, but, uh, well, it's it, just, it's just, everybody's being, everybody's being nice and they want, they like it that way. so I don't want to go there.
0: Well, it could change if a lot of people migrate from Twitter, but but remember, right now it's it's kind of an extension of uh, Instagram. You have to have an Instagram account first, okay. and of course, the big advantage of Twitter, you know, compared to everyone else who start, wants to start a Twitter rival rival, is that you know you you've got this for people who are on Instagram with a lot of followers or a lot, and, and people are following. They can just transport all that over to this, and nobody else it- can offer that. But, but that's the other thing. That's the other thing I want to say about age is note, note that Facebook Zuckerberg is not making it automatic nat- and natural to go from Facebook uh to threads because people on Facebook are old. He doesn't want them. He's he's making why, the fundamental connection between Instagram and threads. Because he wants advertising? Why would he not want he wants Facebook young people? he wants young, attractive people? He doesn't like people like us, Mickey. We should file a class it's action a, lawsuit. This is young age. What's that?
1: He is neither young or attractive.
0: He's young. And he knows that, Brazilian yeah. Jiu-Jitsu. So I'd be pretty ke- fucking careful what I said about him if I were you. Here's a... um,
1: the, uh, the one negative tweet I found, I was scrolling for sunset photos and all this this nice Instagrammy crap. Um, one negative thing I found is by a, a young attractive person by the name of Tom Brady.
0: Oh, I know him. Says, Tom and I go way back.
1: A my combine photo is banned on Threads, right? We're going for positivity here. Question mark. Um, Wait, what happened? He got a photo banned. He says he has a photo banned. I don't know my combine photo. What would be a combine photo? Is that
0: something? I think think a combine is a football. um, Isn't that the thing they do to get tested for? Like when they test their running speed and everything. That's That's not a combine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Why wouldn't you post Tom
0: Brady's combine photo? Why would he have a combine photo? He's retired. This is the other, this is super- there are so, so many mysteries surrounding this.
1: Oh, wait. And then the second tweet is apparently not. And there's the combine photo. So what the hell? Oh,
0: well, thanks Tom. It's um, a
1: very attractive picture of, of Tom Brady.
0: So I think, um, I think threads could succeed if anything can uh, against uh, Twitter. Um, well, the big,
1: my big test is the Maggie Haberman test. If Maggie Haberman is there, and that's her main hosting spot, and she'll drag the rest of the press corps with her, she's there, but she's all she's doing is saying, "Hey, this place is too nice." So um,
0: <laughs> this place well, is so
1: nice. I feel like I'm less nice.
0: The reason um, I think it's it's trouble for Musk is that I think, and she may be one of them. I think there are a non-trivial number of people who were on Twitter and they were important, you know, voices, but they also had built up something of an Instagram feed. There have been people who dabble in both. And for those people, you know, if you've got any kind of following on Instagram, which I don't, um, you know, you go there and right away, you feel like people are paying attention to you on threads and that's the kind of reinforcement that no one else can offer, you know, um, or it's harder for them for other Twitter rivals to offer. I don't know if the refundable tax credit community is going to migrate to Instagram. Well, that was my or, big question because I always think of you first whenever anything happens in the world, and I was worried about your welfare on Threads, and so that was what I was wondering. I, I guess if I guess if Twitter is you know the, the the policy disagreement
1: community is is not a big moneymaker for Musk, although it is central to why Twitter is important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, but he may not care, but he should care. I don't know and why is Twitter sort of broken down and not working very well and there's a new tweet deck and even it doesn't work very well and I, it, it isn't it obviously that he's negotiating with Google over will I pay you billions for your servers and so he's trying to cut back on the amount of service he uses while he's negotiating.
0: Um I thought they had already cut a deal where they're going to get a bunch of free ads instead of the pay the money he owes them. Oh, okay. I I heard that somewhere but um so that was the alarm you heard some minutes ago. So we're, uh, we're supposed to be uh, the music is supposed to start playing the, the, uh, the, the Oscar usher them off stage music. Um, and we will head to music. What What's that? jealous music. Yeah. I think of chariots of the gods when I think of, uh, either, either one of us, the, um, so, uh, patreon.com slash parrot room. What are we going to talk about there, Mickey? Oh, also, if you, know if you smash uh, the like button, okay. um, that's good karma. But what are we going to talk? Do you have things you, you're going to talk about in the parrot room? Parrot seems to be dead. We'll revive him. That's, that's a, that is a Monty Python bit. That <laughs> is it not? It's yes, it is. It's uh, it's nails to the perch.
1: So the choir invisible. Um, the, uh, so we have, uh, this whole censorship fuss, uh, this court case that, that is, uh, uh, written by a Trump judge that fulminates against Trump's, uh, Biden's, the democratic censorship industrial complex. And mm-hmm. we can talk about that. Uh, I have a, I have a, a weird legal point about how, about the, uh, you know the web the web designer who claimed she her 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 business was expressive. Well, why isn't other businesses why aren't other businesses expressive? Uh, I think there's a reason. Uh, mm. You have uh, uh, the, a big piece in the New Yorker about your friend who ran the Titan submersible that uh, was destroyed.
0: I, he's not. It, I, I, he's not my friend, but. Uh, I, I've never, I've, I never met him, but uh, so, I read the piece. It's, it's an interesting piece. And, uh, yeah, we should okay. talk about that. We can talk about it. It's not going to uh, help. It's not going to help his legacy. I think.
1: No, we have, um, we've both seen the movie. The day the earth So still very
0: interesting. You, movie. you more recently than, than I, but yes, I first right, saw it when were, I was like four or five years old.
1: When was the most recent time you saw it?
0: About 20 years ago.
1: Oh really? Oh, you haven't—you didn't watch it recently? Not
0: recently, but I, I get the idea. It's a film about you, Bob. Yeah, no. As I said, I saw—I wa- saw it when I was four or five. I think it—it—it it, it shaped my whole worldview. Yeah. I, I am Klatu. Was that his name? I'm trying I to think, think of if you're if
1: you're Clatu, the hero, or Gort, his vicious robot friend. Was Klatu the man I,
0: I, who was also named Carpenter? Yes. We'll talk about all this. We'll talk about, about you, the you allegorical. You can reveal
1: whether you're Klaatu or Gort. Um,
0: okay.
1: Uh, uh, we have the French riots. Oh, yeah. It seems to me there's some uh, some whitewashing going on of the role of a certain international
0: migratory phenomenon. that We talked uh, about that I mean, last week. You have to come up with a new Trumpist angle, Mickey. No, I can repeat it. Um, no, yeah, no, no, no. The there's some new new Trumpist angle every week. Those are the rules. Um, There's
1: uh, there's Dr. Love, who uh, famously debated Malcolm Gladwell on the value of hormone replacement therapy died. Yes. Uh, so we can revisit that. Macron actually had a good idea, a good policy idea, so I can show my soft liberal side. By endorsing it. Mm. Uh, uh, is artificial intelligence the solution to the complete inability to muster an all-volunteer army? <laughs> uh, I see where you're going. How do cities rebound?
0: And which dementia village will we choose to live in, Bob? I don't know. But we're on the verge of overpromising, Mickey. How long are you planning to take? Uh... Until the last dog dies. That's kind what of is, a sensitive subject with me, Mickey. But, um, oh, sorry. I yeah. Didn't yeah. 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 You you? I think uh, the I want to complain about Timothy Snyder. I want to complain about the New York Times. Uh, something specific they've both done. Um, I, I, I watch some other science fiction. I watch, we haven't talked about the final episode of silo yet have we you probably haven't watched it i did right i have something to say about silo i watched the first episode of foundation you know this uh streaming version of asimov uh i might say something about that um and you know uh, what happens you know what happens to the foundation the mule comes along and destroys everything so
1: why do we have to watch the first episode
0: is that actually true you've ruined my the rest of my whole it's a trilogy I don't want to know. No plot spoilers, especially involving a mule. Okay, well. Uh, mule in the sense of, the mule. Mule in the sense of the drug mule. transporter or mule. Mule is a, is a Trump-like okay, I, I, figure. Of, oh. Defies need,
1: the rules of psychometrics or psychohistory. Okay.
0: Maybe a little more about threads okay. or else the cage match itself, which which. Between uh, Elon and Zuckerberg, which, which of course, was Threads. This is how it started, is it in a conversation about the coming of Threads, is how that whole absurdity began. Okay, that's plenty. That's plenty. Plus, we'll just be entertaining. Um, patreon.com, slash yeah. Parrot Room, nope. smash like button. What? Buy the Parrot Room,
1: much like Gort revived Klaatu.
0: Well, well said, how about, yeah. How about that?
1: Hey! Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, there you go. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Okay, thank you, Bird. We'll see you in the pair room.